Rise Up theme song, take 10. Answering the difficult and critical questions youth may face that relate to Mormon culture and teachings. This is the Rise Up Podcast, produced by Fair Mormon. With this, our first episode from J. Max Wilson, we have a special two-part episode on building our testimonies on a sure foundation. Now, part two will be released next week, so stay tuned for both episodes. So I've been thinking about this topic for a while, and it, it really is important to me. And today I want to talk to you about how to build a solid foundation for your testimony by becoming a critical consumer of information. And so to introduce this topic, I really want to start off by reviewing the first presidency message from President Uchtdorf from a month or two ago. He told an amusing story about a lady who worked in customer support for a seed growing company. And if you remember, if you, if you listened to the, the message or received it from your home teachers, uh, he talked about how various customers of this seed growing company would call in and complain because the seeds that they had received didn't work. And in every single instance, it was that the customer did not understand how the seeds were supposed to be planted and grown and treated or what was supposed to result. Uh, One of the customers just left the seeds on the shelf and waited for them to sprout without any care at all and was upset that they didn't grow. The, the other customer planted them, but expected results right away, immediately, within a week, and thought that they were being generous in the amount of time that they offered for it. And the third customer planted the seeds and cared for them properly, but in the end, that customer expected to get a totally different kind of vegetable out of the seeds that they planted. They thought that by planting them in the same ground as they had planted their previous set of seeds of a different type, they would get the same result and they didn't. So each of the customer believed that the seeds were bad because they had an incorrect expectation or understanding about the seeds. And we often in the church have the same problem in that we develop incorrect expectations about the gospel. And this is what I want to talk about. People come to believe that the restored gospel doesn't work sometimes when it is really that they have developed incorrect expectations or understandings of how the gospel is supposed to work. So this is why I want to talk about this topic of building a solid foundation for testimony by becoming a critical consumer of information. What do I mean by becoming a critical consumer of information? Well, being a critical consumer means that we don't accept everything we hear or read uncritically. Because when we accept everything we hear or read uncritically, it can cause us to develop these exact kind of expectations or incorrect understandings, just like these customers of the, of the seed company that Elder Uchtdorf talked about. So it means that we're cautious, that we don't accept what we hear just because it's there. And the main point I want to make in this particular discussion 
is that this approach to being cautious, to being a critical consumer, is not just to be applied to information that challenges or contradicts what we believe, but we should be applying it to information that even supports or seems to support what we believe. We don't want to build our testimony on shaky or incorrect information just because we weren't critical of it when we first came, came upon it. So this is kind of ironic because what I'm asking you to do, what I'm saying that we need to do, is that we need to not be too ready to accept and believe everything we hear. We can accidentally damage our own testimonies by being too ready to believe everything we hear in church or in seminary or from other faithful members of the church on the internet or elsewhere. We don't, we shouldn't invest our testimonies too readily or too deeply in sensational information, whether it's information that seems to contradict what we believe or if it's sensational information that seems to support what we believe. And this requires being a critical consumer and also a willingness to be self-critical of our own assumptions. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I am not advocating skepticism or doubt. You should be believing, but you should be careful. Let me tell you a little story about uh, a professor that I had when I was in college. Uh, he was a very famous professor in some ways, very credentialed, uh, went to universities, got his degrees from universities of the highest caliber in theology, and he was also a very popular LDS author. He had written a book that was just a sensation at the time. It was sold through Deseret Book, and lots of people read it and shared it, and it, it did a lot to build up their testimonies. Well, I took a class from this professor at the university, and it was interesting because one day in that class, he stopped the class and he was talking a little bit about how he'd written this book, and he said, how many of you suspect me of priestcraft? Now, if you'll remember, priestcraft, as defined in the Book of Mormon, you can find that definition in 2 Nephi 26, verse 29, where it says, priestcrafts are that men preach and set themselves up for a light unto the world that they may get gain and praise of the world, but they seek not the welfare of Zion. So this professor in the middle of class, who had written this very popular book explaining essentially the gospel, asked us, how many of you suspect me of priestcraft? Well, of course, you know, the, the, being his students and not wanting to say the wrong thing, everybody was very hesitant to say anything. And he waited for a while, and when nobody raised their hand or indicated that they might suspect him of priestcraft, he said, shame on all of you. You should all suspect me of priestcraft. He didn't think he was practicing priestcraft, but he said we should suspect him of it. He said we had no idea of where the money from his book went, that he had given it all to the church. We had no idea what his motivations were in writing that book. And I thought that was an interesting lesson to me about being suspicious of the motives of self-appointed teachers, of people who promote themselves or set themselves up to preach the gospel and explain it to others. Realistically, now that several years after that, thinking about it, I've come to learn that not everyone who teaches about the church or the gospel is doing it for the right reasons. It is a good thing 
to be somewhat suspicious of all self-appointed teachers, of anyone who has set themselves up to explain the gospel or to teach what it means. That includes bloggers. It includes academics. It includes podcasters, pundits, filmmakers, authors, even if they are promoted by semi-official church entities like Deseret Book or, or BYU, we should be suspicious of self-appointed teachers. That includes me. That includes what I am saying right now. I have no authority. I am just a blogger participating in a podcast, telling you what I think about the gospel. It would be right of you to be suspicious of me to be suspicious of my motivations? Am I really trying to build up Zion or am I trying to set up a following for myself? Do I have my own reasons? Those are appropriate questions to ask yourself when confronted with anyone teaching about the gospel who is a self-appointed teacher. So that's the first part of being a critical consumer is being cautious about the source of information, not accepting everyone who teaches about the gospel or what they say. The second thought that I had along these lines has to do not with people who set themselves up as teachers, um, such as myself in this instance, but people who have been asked to teach the gospel in some capacity in the church. We are a church that does not have an official professional clergy, a paid clergy. The vast majority of the teaching is done by you and me, by the lay members who receive callings. And we are not perfect. Let me tell you another story. When I was in high school, I had a seminary teacher. Um, and one day, he brought in an essay to share with the class. And we spent a considerable amount of time in our seminary class discussing this essay. And the topic of the essay was whether someone could be worthy to eat the sacrament bread, but unworthy to drink the sacrament water. Being a critical consumer of information, one should ask whether that's really a topic for a seminary. It's pure speculation. It has nothing to do with the primary teachings of the gospel or the prophets. It's all about looking into what uh, later some of my friends and close associates came to call space doctrine. You know, some people get caught up in speculative ideas about the church, such as this one. Well, this seminary teacher taught this. Now, should I have just accepted this teaching simply because it came from my seminary teacher? Of course not. Of course not. It was not an official doctrine of the church. It was just some essay somebody had written speculating about the gospel. Another example, uh, I, I had a Sunday school teacher some years ago who during our class would never once open the scriptures. We were studying the scriptures as we do in, in Sunday school every year, and he wouldn't open the scriptures. Instead, he brought a book written by some author full of his personal explanations and ideas about the scriptures and what they mean. Now, those kind of books can be very valuable and helpful, but they are not officially the teaching of the church. They are personal interpretations and explanations about what one man who has no authority believes that the church uh, and the scriptures mean. And so this teacher spent the whole time in class reading this book and from this book rather than from the scriptures themselves. 
Now, these are the kind of mistakes that happen all the time in the church. I can't tell you the number of times I've been to classes where either the teacher or the students engage more time in speculation and spend more time reading commentaries by third parties about the scriptures than they do on the scriptures themselves. And that's, that's a normal thing. It's part of our humanity and our, our mistakes that we naturally make. But the church actually has some very specific guidelines for teachers. These are published in the church's official manual for teaching in the church. It's called Teaching No Greater Call. It's been around for a long time. It's been the official training manual for teachers for as long as I can remember. And in it, it gives some specific cautions for gospel teachers. In speaking about gospel teachers, it's not just talking about somebody specifically teaching a Sunday school class, but anybody who teaches the gospel, whether it's from the pulpit or in the home. And here are the cautions. I'll, I'll, first, I'll list them out in short, and then I'll, I'll read the quotes from the manual about them. The uh, cautions that it gives in short are we should avoid speculation, misquoting, gospel hobbies, sensational stories, reshaping church history, and private interpretations and unorthodox views. So let me back up again and, and recover these in a little more detail. The manual very specifically says concerning speculation, quote, in presenting a lesson, there are many ways for the undisciplined teacher to stray from the path that leads to his objective. One of the most common temptations is to speculate on matters about which the Lord has said very little, end quote. So I've done this in situations where I've teaching. It's fun to talk about speculation, but it is not the teachings of the gospel. It is not a sure foundation for a strong testimony. So if we're talking about building a strong testimony by being a critical consumer of information, one of the types of information that we should be critical of, that we should consume cautiously, is speculation. Speculation can be heard in discussions between missionaries, with each other, in classes, on the internet, speculation is rampant. And there are some people who unfortunately place their faith and their testimonies in these speculative doctrines. And that is a big mistake. It creates for a weak testimony. We should be instead focusing on the non-speculative things we know that have been revealed by the prophets. The second caution was against misquoting. The, de the, the manual says, the disciplined teacher will be sure of his sources and will also make every effort to determine whether a statement properly represents the doctrine of the church or merely the opinion of the author. So again, I've seen this happen over and over in classes where whether it's the teacher or whether it's one of the participants in the class uh, shares a quote, an unsourced quote. They don't know where it came from. They don't know if it's accurate, but they share it because it fits into the lesson or it seems to support what they're saying. But that's, that's not what we should be doing. So as a critical consumer of information, as somebody who is trying to build a testimony on the gospel, we should be careful about quotes that we hear. We shouldn't share them unless we know where they came from and have verified their authenticity. And it is okay. Now, I'm not saying that you should disrupt a class and challenge the teacher on this, this or that quote, or, or try to stop the speculation. But for your own personal testimony, you can listen and you can disregard, or you can not be hasty and just simply wait until you find out more information. 
That's what being a critical consumer means. It means not jumping to conclusions and not accepting information just because it's given to you in certain contexts. The third caution for gospel teachers is gospel hobbies. Now, a gospel hobby is a phrase that's been used in the church sometimes. It refers to when people grasp onto one principle of the gospel that they overemphasize. It's kind of like their hobby. They want to talk about it and to to the neglect of other principles of the gospel. So here's what the manual says concerning that. It says, Every principle and practice revealed from God is essential to man's salvation, and to place any one of them unduly in front, hiding and dimming all others, is unwise and dangerous. So, as critical consumers of information, as we seek to build our testimonies, it is important that we find this balance that as people present information, we can recognize not only what our own gospel hobbies are, and we often have them, but also the gospel hobbies of others, and accept their teaching in a more balanced way. Be a critical consumer. The fourth caution offered for gospel doctrine teachers by the manual is to avoid sensational stories. It says, perhaps the greatest temptation of the teacher struggling to maintain the attention of a class is the use of the sensational story. There are a number of these, a very questionable origin, continually being circulated throughout the church. These are not teaching church tools. Stability and testimony are not built on sensational stories. Meaningful attention will be accorded to the teacher who establishes the reputation of being orthodox and sound in, docu- in doctrine. Now, Sensational stories are fun. They appeal to a natural part of our humanity. And so it's not uncommon sometimes in classes to hear people talk about folklore, stories that they've heard that they attribute to somebody. There were stories I heard as a missionary from other missionaries where they would say, I had a companion once, and then they'd move on to tell some, some amazing story that happened to them, or a funny story, or an ironic story with a little more examination, it turned out that it didn't actually happen to a missionary they knew once. A missionary they knew once told them the story that they had heard from somebody else. These kind of folklore stories get passed around in the church frequently, and they are dangerous, as the manual says. It is not safe for us to build our testimonies on unsubstantiated and spectacular stories, sensational stories that are fun to tell but may or may not be based in the truth or in actual experiences. Moving on to another caution, the manual cautions that we should beware of reshaping church history. The quotes here come from President Benson in the manual, and he says, There have been and continue to be attempts made to bring a humanistic philosophy into our own church history. We would warn you, teachers, of this trend, which seems to be an effort to reinterpret the history of the church so that it is more rationally appealing to the world. So this is another thing. As critical consumers of the information we get about the church, as people who are trying to build a testimony based on what the history and the teachings of the church are, it's important that we not accept every explanation that's given for the facts that we know. Not every teacher is trying to uphold the church's teachings. Sometimes they're trying to make it so that the teachings and the history of the church are more acceptable to the world at large, to academia, to secularism. So another caution, as critical consumers, we need to watch at, at, for those things that tend to 
that tend to minimize the the true miracles that happened and the true authority of the church. The last part of the manual, the last caution, is a caution against private interpretations and unorthodox views. It says very specifically, we should not teach our private interpretation of gospel principles or scriptures. There are those today who seem to take pride in disagreeing with the orthodox teachings of the church and who present their own opinions which are at variance with the revealed truth. So as we are consuming information, as we are being cautious, we need to beware and not just accept interpretations that are given us. We need to be aware of what the real teachings of the church are so that when somebody teaches their own private interpretations, their own unorthodox views, we can see them for what they are. Now, it's fine to listen to them. It's fine to consider them and think about what people are saying but we should never just accept their interpretation, especially when it goes contrary to that which the church is officially taught. So those are some of the cautions from the official manual for, for teachers in the church. So in order to be able to avoid these sorts of problems, to be critical, how can we recognize whether something is folklore? How can we recognize whether somebody is teaching their own private interpretation or sensational stories? It requires that, that we put forth an effort to become familiar ourselves with the scriptures and with what the prophets and apostles have taught and what they are teaching so that we can recognize when things deviate. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rise Up. This has been a production of Fair Mormon. This and other podcasts are available at fairmormon.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Please subscribe to our show in iTunes under the name Mormon Faircast. Questions or comments can be posted at blog.fairmormon.org in conjunction with this episode. Tune in each week for another episode of Rise Up. Thank you for listening.